Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode 490 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. A little remote setup tonight. So we're live on Twitter and Facebook as well as Twitch like we are every single Wednesday night. So what is going on, everybody? It's KB and Matt coming at you with quite an interesting docket of things to talk about. Micah Parsons seems to be overlooking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Sixers lit the beam. They, they won a game against a, a hot Sacramento team uh, and a fan favorite trade deadline acquisition for the Philadelphia Phillies is going back to Los Angeles uh, and we'll talk about Survivor as well at the end of the show for the true sickos at home as we get set for the finale of season 43 tonight. Uh, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. It's scrolling on that ticker below if you're watching live. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star reviews. It really does go a long way for this show to continue growing as we head into year five, February 2023, right around the corner. And uh, share it with your people. Tell them to subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. It helps play with the algorithm on audio for some reason. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. You get full video episodes, original content, and live streams as well from all your favorite shows on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, guys, make sure you go get your merch. It's the number one way to support us here at Underground Sports. PHI Apparel Company is the official home of all of our merch. And there's no doubt when you guys are going to the stadiums, to the bar, Xfinity Live, wherever you may be taking in your favorite sports teams, uh, you're going to stand out in the crowd with the unique designs that PHI Apparel Company is dropping on your heads. Plus, you can rep your favorite underground sports podcast as well. Go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any order. I uh, want to give a shout-out to Josh. He's an avid fan of OTB. We had our big live stream a couple weeks ago for the NLL opener on stream. Bought three shirts from us, uh, so he's rocking underground sports philadelphia and otb out in oregon uh so we're, we're we're going countrywide matt with fans of all of our shows so go to phiapparel.co and get your merch and help support everything we're doing here but matt what is going on my man i'm just living the dream living the dream we are and uh the philadelphia eagles clinch a playoff spot this past sunday first team in the nfl to do it this season they've got the chicago bears on the horizon and uh you know obviously a big christmas eve matchup against the dallas cowboys jalen hurts jordan mylotta not worried about the cowboys right now though great responses because micah parsons even though we we adore his phillies fandom uh and, and appreciate it very much he's he just tends to uh he, he's been slipping into this quite often matt uh where he's just been talking quite a bit about things before kind of thinking about it uh you know and he goes on von miller's podcast and a clip gets put out on social media where kind of calls jalen hurts a system quarterback uh it's more the team than the system and I just find it funny that, you know, you've got a game ahead of you already against the Jaguars team who's scrappy. We've seen them win games against good teams this year. And the Cowboys almost lost to a one-win Texans team last week. Uh, so Micah Parsons 
clearly has his priorities, you know, in order. Um, but I, I think the bigger takeaway from all of this is just the responses from all the Eagles players when asked about it, uh, because that just shows the focus that this team has right now. And their mission is obviously to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and they have all the capability to do it. And for them to kind of just, you know, say, hey, we're worried about the Bears right now. And it's a 3-10 and 10 Bears team, but that's who their priority is right now. And I, I love that response from these guys. And it just shows, like, the type of players that they are where they're just still taking it one week at a time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the exact type of response you want to hear. You know, I, I just think, yeah, getting, like, worried about – also, I think it's weird that so many players in all these sports have their own podcast now. I think in some ways it's cool, but in, in some ways it opens you up to this type of – yeah conversation that can kind of blow up on you and uh, put you in a bad spot. Um, if I was like a PR representative for these people, I'd be like, let's not actually do this. Uh, because I just, I think, I think someone's going to say something really dumb one time. That's going to get them in a lot of trouble. Um, because when you just start having these like very casual conversations, it's very easy to forget that you're on a mic and that this is going to be uploaded for you know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions. Oh, like, if you really like Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, just be aware of that. I, I think sometimes these guys forget that. Um, yeah, it's a it's kind of a nothing comment, too, because I think everyone has levied these accusations about every quarterback through the course of history. Every quarterback at some point has been a system quarterback. People said the same thing about Tom Brady, um, that as soon as he left New England, it, it wasn't going to work, whatever. Not that Jalen Hurts is Tom Brady, obviously. But, you know, it, it, it's just a, a dumb thing to say, especially in a week where you're not playing the Eagles. You know, uh, it would make more sense if in the lead up, you know, because the conversation is sort of naturally around them. But, yeah, I think Jordan Mylata said it best, too, where it's like, I don't know who you're playing, but uh, we're focused on the Bears. So and that's we're and not that's playing the, the Chicago Micah Parsons. Right. Although I would like a team full of Micah Parsons, at least on the defensive end, would be very good. Uh, you know, that would be a, that'd be an interesting sight. Uh, and I also like that, like. Michael Parsons putting this out there now, you know, next week when, when Christmas Eve rolls around, this is going to be on the bulletin board for the Eagles all week. You're telling me that, you know, Lane Johnson's not going to go out there and take it up, you know, to a 12 instead of a 10 that he normally is blocking Michael Parsons. Like, I just find it funny that, you know, a Cowboys team that one is coming off a very shaky performance against a one win team, uh, you know, barely got by, and then you're fighting to stay alive in the division this week against the Jaguars. Like, if the Cowboys lose this week and the Eagles win, the division is essentially over uh, because at that point the Eagles' lead would increase to three games, and then if the Eagles beat them on uh, Christmas Eve, I think the division gets clinched, and then it's kind of all eyes on the one seed from there on out, which I think could be clinched the following week. So, like, the Cowboys are in a predicament where they're kind of like, if they want to win the division and want to stay alive for a potential one seed, which I don't think they will, um, they they need to win. And, you know, to not be focused on the task at hand just kind of shows the type of team that this Cowboys team really is this year, in my opinion. Like, they get talked about by all the, the talking head pundits week after week. Like, oh, the Cowboys have a better opportunity to win the Super Bowl than the Eagles. I mean... Nobody knows who's going to be in the Super Bowl yet, obviously, but like, what has told some of these people that the Cowboys have a better opportunity than this Eagles team, other than just stirring social media controversy? I, mean, you, I think you just answered your own question. Um, I do, I, you know, the Cowboys are a good team, but I, I do think the Eagles, every, every time I've watched them this year, I felt like things are just easier for them than they are for other teams. Um, they make beating up on teams look pretty smooth. You know, this is like a compliment you'd pay of like the Chiefs in years mm -hmm. gone by, right? Where it's like, and even at times this year, the Chiefs have been able to do this, but just the, the cruise control, the speed that they're able to hit against teams is just, it's it's different. And I think defensively too, you could argue the Cowboys defense might be better, uh, but the Eagles are not far behind in that regard either. Uh, you know, they, they're certainly, uh, you know, one of the top defenses in the league too. And, you know, I, I just think too, like, the Cowboys to catch up in the division already is very much a long shot. Uh, they'd have to win now, and the Eagles would have to have a pretty bad slip up at the end in what is a relatively manageable schedule, too. You know, it's not like the Eagles have tons of, of really challenging opponents. 
uh, left on the docket and then, yeah, start to start to watch Vikings and uh, get happy about them losing, which is always, I think, kind of a win-win type of situation, you know, for that one seed. But yeah, the Eagles have a, a real opportunity to make these these last few weeks uh, are really comfortable. I mean, you could see it's kind of funny, you know, that the Cowboys could be in a situation too where, you know, they can't really drop anymore, uh, but they can't advance anymore. You know, so they could be resting players even, you know, in in the final week of the season or maybe even the last two because there's just not. There's nothing there for them to really uh, to win. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the Eagles' schedule the rest of the way. Obviously, you have the Bears this week. You have the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Saints on New Year's Day, which everybody like that I've been talking to is like, oh, by that game, like the Eagles could be resting starters and everything. I kind of have the complete opposite feeling on that Saints game. Not that we want to look too far ahead, but like that Saints game. If I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm playing everybody because I want to win it because you have the Saints first round pick. You want to make that pick as, you know, high up in the draft as possible and you have a direct opportunity to, you know, affect that positioning. I think I'd say for at least three quarters, the Eagles starters are playing against the Saints. Yes, Um, because also, you know, you don't want to necessarily go two weeks without playing you know like there is definitely something to the rhythm ask the phillies uh if if uh, you know rhythm is a good thing if baseball fans had their way you know uh <laughs> the the top seed and the nfc would just go straight to the super bowl you know we would just have right now we, we wouldn't even have the people. super bowl we, they would just win and you know what i'm sorry you know what mets fans were right eagles should just get the uh the la times writers it. correct just crown the eagles I, the champs and there we go um yeah i, I just think you know People, uh, people have it in mind that you can just like shut this down and restart it very easily. I think the week is, is a good opportunity to prepare and rest. Um, but anything longer than that, you are running the risk of maybe uh, accumulating a little bit of rust and maybe too much rest sometimes can, can really work against you. And I mean, looking at the Cowboys remaining schedule too, like not that it's that different than the Eagles. I think obviously by far and away, the Eagles are the toughest team they have remaining just like the Cowboys are the toughest team the Eagles have remaining. But the Cowboys play the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Then they're home against the Eagles on uh, Christmas Eve. Then they have a short week. December 29th is their next game. Prime time in Tennessee against the Titans. And, like, sure, have the Titans been, you know, typical Titans of the last three or four years? No. But, you know, they're still playing to get into the playoffs. They're still playing for seeding and everything. They're leading that division right now. And they're going to probably have to win that game to kind of secure either the three or the four seed in the AFC playoffs. So that game is going to be meaningful for both teams. Plus, the Cowboys are on the road there. Nashville, over the past couple of years, has been a difficult place to play for a lot of teams. And it's a team that the Cowboys, you know, as a whole, since it's an NFC-AFC matchup, they're not necessarily familiar with. And then the Cowboys go to Washington for the final game of the season. I mean, if the... Obviously, if the Eagles win on Christmas Eve, the division's pretty much wrapped up, but Cowboys are going to be playing for seeding, too, against the Vikings, and then it's just a matter of, like, who do you root for? Who do you want to be the two or the three seed, uh, you know, when it comes to playoff time, and who do you want to be a wild card that the Eagles could potentially be seeing uh, if they clinch that number one seed after the wild card round? Yeah, I. but again, you know, the, the Cowboys are going to be locked into that five seed because, you know, they're they're not going to be dropping. I think it'll be very, very funny if on the final day of the season uh, you have a, a similar situation where the Giants get screwed out of a playoff position again uh, because, you know, a team rests a team and, you know, the the Cowboys rest some players against the Commanders and the Commanders get a win that puts them in the playoffs on the final day. I think that would be really, really funny. Why isn't Dak Prescott uh, on the field? That's how this all shakes it. Right. Um, that would be hilarious. And it's like, the, but the Eagles also rest starters that day because uh, they also play on the last day. So it's like, I I think there's there's the, there's some real potential there for, uh, for some good stuff on, on the final day of the year. That'd be amazing. And the only reason I say between the Cowboys and Vikings, because the Vikings lost this past weekend uh, to the Lions, and the Lions winning that, there's still opportunity for the Lions to win the NFC North now, which is crazy to think about, you know, seeing where the Lions were, you know, after losing to the Eagles. And now over their last six games, the Lions are five and one, get a win over the Vikings to kind of have a game in hand over them now. And I think if the Lions win out and their schedule, if I'm not mistaken, is not too crazy. 
the Lions still have an opportunity to, one, get into the playoffs and win their division for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah, they have the Jets, Panthers, Bears, Packers. Um, this could all be moved this weekend when they lose to the Jets because the, uh, the Jets are, are a pretty good team, especially defensively. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those teams will be crushed. Really, I think the Lions, I think just to make the wild card, they're going to have to win three out of four. Um, mm-hmm. I do think the, the division is just a little too long. I, I cannot see. Now, the Vikings could, but I, I just cannot see the Vikings melting down uh, completely in that way. Um, and the Vikings have the Colts, uh, Giants, Packers, Bears left. So I, I, I suspect they're getting at least one win out of those uh, <laughs> remaining four. I'd be surprised if they didn't. It would be quite hilarious, though, after a season filled with just, like, pumping the Vikings tires and claiming that they're this, you know, godsend of a team. They're the first team in NFL history to win more than 10 games in a season and when they get to that mark, I believe they are 10-3. and three. Yeah, they're the first team to hit double-digit wins in NFL history with a negative score differential. Yeah, very nice. Just a, just a nice little tidbit. That, and like to put it in perspective, the Lions are a game under 500, and they have a plus-two score differential. Like The Vikings are not like this end-all, be-all team, and everyone claimed that the Vikings' defense this year was going to be what carried them. It's really been their offense without Dalvin Cook, and I brought this up to Pitts on uh, Monday's episode. The Vikings are essentially like, they're like great value Buffalo Bills. Like, obviously the Bills have a much better quarterback in Josh Allen, and he can do things that Kirk Cousins can't do, but they both have very elite wide receivers. They both cannot run the ball to save their lives. But the Bills have a much better defense than the Vikings do, and the Vikings' defense, I think, is what's going to be their ultimate collapse once the playoffs get here. Yeah, I, I think the, the Vikings, too. I mean, anytime Kirk Cousins is in and around the playoffs, I think he's, uh, he's going to be a favorite favorite pe- for people to, to bet against. And, uh, you know, you look at this, the nature of a lot of their wins this season and that so many of them have come in and won score games and, you know, those have a lot of high variance, and I, I just think you know a little bit more of the the pretender than than an actual contender. Uh, for using our like uh, first take spin voices there, right? But yeah, I, I do think they're they're not a team I, I take super serious in that regard. Yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about that. Is there any team from your perspective that quote unquote worries you for the Eagles in terms of just like the matchup? It's still the 49ers. I know with Brock Purdy that, you know, it's it's a little harder now for me to imagine, you know, them winning a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. But, I mean, we also saw them just absolutely lay it to the Buccaneers with, with Brock Purdy. You know, like, I, I just – And now Purdy's that injured. Defense really, that defense really worries me. Um, and I, I think they are just the type of defense – we saw it last year, too, when they, when they played the Eagles. Like, could really just eliminate a lot of what you – whatever it is your strength is, they have the ability. Uh, they have just great talent and they have great scheme uh, defensively. And I mean, offensively too, like, yeah, like Brock Purdy, you know, who knows, but they sure have the weapons to carry that. Obviously you're not going to have Debo for the rest of the regular season, but could be back for the playoffs. That's a guy that again, can make big plays happen. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon, Ayuk, Greg Kittle. Like, I don't know. Like you, you still have all these guys around. You still have this great talent core. You, like that worries me. Um, and I just think you have good coaching there too. And, you know, as much as we're we're pleased with the Eagles this year, they're still unproven in the playoffs. This coaching staff mm-hmm. is unproven in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I'm, you're obviously going to back them because they've looked great this year, but there's just – there's something to that. And Cowboys at, at home wouldn't worry me as much, but I, I still think that's maybe a tougher matchup than people want to give it credit for. Um, you know, again, defensively, that, that can be a, a, a tough task. But, yeah, I would say really the only only team that worries me is the 49ers. I just think defensively, like, that's that's a team that I would be happy if they're going home the first weekend. Um, and I, I think would make me feel very comfortable about the, the Eagles' chances uh, of getting to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely want to see them gone as quickly as possible. Um, it is going to be interesting to see, like, how they're able to navigate, you know, whether it's the rest of this season because Purdy now – for this week's game, he's listed as questionable with an injury, so we'll see if he ends up playing. Could be uh, journeyman Josh Johnson at the helm for the, for the 49ers this week. But, you know, 
they're going to be a team that I think is is playing on a uh, wild card weekend, and I would love if you know somehow, some way, it, it winds up that you know them lacking uh, an actual quarterback who has experience and you know that that clutch gene in, in these moments of December and January that somehow, some way, the Seahawks catch fire and and take the division away from them because I'd feel way more comfortable with the Seahawks being the team representing the NFC West than the 49ers. Don't see that happening, unfortunately. I don't either, <laughs> unfortunately, but it would be nice. Right now it would be the 49ers and Commanders. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just uh, – I don't see our board Carson helping us out any. I don't see uh, – I just I, – I Taylor just, Heineke is not walking through foresee. that door. No, I, I just don't foresee the 49ers necessarily going home the first weekend. But it'd be nice. It would be nice. Yeah, I mean, the, the Seahawks sit two games back of the 49ers right now. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that, uh, especially with just, you know, the question marks surrounding the 49ers uh, quarterback situation. It would also be nice if the, the Vikings somehow lose the division to the Lions. That'd just be hysterical and just great for the internet. Um and I mean, somebody's going to have to end up playing the six and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round in Tampa. So it is going to be the Cowboys. Those, it's it's hilarious because for like the last three weeks, it's going to be like two months where it's like, yeah, we've kind of known that these two were going to play each other, um, and it feels like they played each other a decent. Like I think they've opened the regular season against each other the last two years. Those games of this year wasn't particularly close, but I remember last year being a close, uh, really exciting game. Uh, this year was just a little bit more of a slog, which was uh, a sign of things to come, especially for Tampa Bay. Um, but I mean, Dak got I think hurt it would too. Be... Right. I, I, I do think it'd be, I don't know, like, I I just wonder where your head is at if you're Dallas going into Tampa Bay. Let's say Tampa, like, limps into the playoffs at, like, eight and nine. And, you know, you finish whatever, you know, let's say that they end up with, like, 11 wins, 12 wins. Um you have to be feeling pretty good uh, about yourself. Uh, you know, that's, that's just not a, that's, that's, that's a torture chamber for you. You know, like that's just like a, a mental hell that I, that I think, I don't know that they're totally ready to deal with. It's also Mike McCarthy. This is a guy that I just think we blank out of our mind all the time, just finds ways to, to lose in the playoffs uh, year after year. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I think, I think Dallas having to go into Tampa would be a very uncomfortable situation for them. The other crazy part about the NFC South too, after this weekend, if Carolina wins out, they win the NFC South because they have the tiebreaker over every team in the division. Yeah, it's it's firmly in Sam Darnold's hands. I can't wait to see how he. Uh, it's going to be very exciting to see in what Ghosts. way. <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to be very fun to see in what way he he messes this one up. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, I mean the NFL is uh, it's always fun this time of year because you know unless your team is the Philadelphia Eagles and they're you know twelve and one sitting pretty at the top of their division sitting top of the conference, you're you're you know biting your fingernails a bit each and every Sunday depending on who your team is and uh, you know figuring some things out there. And right now, I mean in terms of the AFC, it's going through Buffalo again because Buffalo and Chiefs are tied, but the Bills have that tiebreaker. Um, so right now the AFC runs through Buffalo, and they seem to be out of the uh, Odell Beckham Jr. conversation as well because they somehow convinced Cole Beasley to come out of retirement today and sign with them. Uh, so he's back in Buffalo. The Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. And, I mean, I, I just – I at this point, I don't think OBJ is getting signed by anybody. He was. He's been talking to about how uh, there's really no point in coming back for the regular season and all this. And it's like, brother, I, I just, I like I said, we've said it so many times over the last few weeks. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I just can't believe what a spectacle this all was and for what. I, you know, a guy that maybe would be back for like the divisional round. You know, like I, honestly, what is his actual timeline of being? You know, playing. You know, more than just a handful of snaps. You know, like this is a guy that's still working himself into shape and just came off another like significant injury. I just I don't see it. At all. Um so we'll see what happens with the Eagles this week against the Bears. Jalen Hurts versus Justin Fields. Uh should be fun with uh both of their legs on the ground. Uh and something that's you know good to get on the ground running is updating your fantasy smack talk. 
with our friends at Trophy Smack. Guys, they've got the best fantasy football, fantasy sports trophies in the game. And it's not just trophies. It's belts, rings. They've got metal wall art now. They've got loser trophies for your league. Matt, I don't know how you fared in your fantasy football league this year, but I did miss the playoffs this year. But I am guaranteed the third overall pick once again. Uh, in my keeper league, so that's nice. But I am thriving in fantasy hockey again, which is great. Uh, but how is how has the fantasy experience been for you? Are you headed to the playoffs? I am in my uh, significant others league. I got uh, I'm the top seed. Got the buy. No worries this week. I made the unfortunate choice at the beginning of the year to kind of double up on Lamar Jackson in both my money leagues because, like, I love this guy. The first like three weeks, I was like, I'm a genius. I've, I have I, I have fantasy football figured out. It's been a struggle since, and now he's injured. And then my other league, I did make the playoffs as well. Actually, I'm actually playing Dylan this weekend, uh, which is uh, exciting. But yeah, um, scrambling a little bit to find a, <laughs> to find some quarterback replacements this week. But yeah, in the playoffs in both of them, which is exciting. It's fun to like care about. Sarah also made the playoffs. She rebounded. You know, someone's always like, I have the worst luck in fantasy football. Whatever. She actually did. She actually like legitimately. I think out of like 14 weeks played someone who had their highest total of the year, like nine of those weeks, she had by far the most points scored and, uh, but, uh, points scored against. And she had her points scored, like was on par with someone who won like eight or nine games in our league last year. And she won like three. So, uh, shout out to her. She, she grinded away this year. She hit the books over the summer and she drafted well. There we go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for draft season already. August, uh, you know, right around the corner, as they say. Um, but make sure you, you guys go Howie to binocular. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm out here scouting talent. These these rookie. I'm I'm looking for talent across the board. Uh, but you guys can go to trophysmack.com/slash/underground and update your fantasy smack talk today. That's trophysmack.com/slash/underground. Trophysmack.com/slash/underground. Upgrade your fantasy smack talk, Matt. We uh we unfortunately will not have an Avenger returning to the Phillies rotation. In 2023, Noah Syndergaard, right before we started recording, signed a one-year $13 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So he's going back to L.A. Unfortunate. Obviously, the Phillies have signed Taiwan Walker. I don't know if they've made that official yet. Um, he's like, that's the last thing I've been waiting for from that flurry of Phillies free agency moves. They did make the Matt Strom signing official, but I haven't seen anything about Taiwan Walker. Um I know a few moves have taken a while. Like, they just recently, like, I think yesterday, the Rays announced Zach Eflin officially. So the Phillies were able to put their uh, highlight montage video for Zach Eflin out, which was very emotional for the sickos like myself who have been following along with Zach Eflin since he was traded here for Jimmy Rollins back in 2014. Um, you know, he was one of the, the guys, and it was fun to finally see him crack into the postseason this year. But happy for him to go get paid and go pitch in, you know, his home state. Um, but Cindergard leaving was a bummer because I felt like if the Phillies were going to deploy that six man rotation, we've talked about, he would have been like a perfect fit for that number five spot. Um, but he's going to LA. I still feel pretty okay about the Phillies rotation right now, whether it is Andrew Painter or insert pitcher number five, whoever it may be here. And I mean, the baseball trade market still hasn't opened either. I think it'll start to get going now that last night, the San Francisco Giants signed Carlos Correa to an absurd contract. Um, can't wait for Giants fans to just be like, yeah, well, he did in Houston. It, it was just a misunderstanding of the rules. He's fine. He's great. Um, he gets a 13-year, $350 million contract, full no-trade clause, no opt-outs from the San Francisco Giants. He's like the only guy they have, though, so I'm still not too worried about the Giants right now. But I think now that he's off the board – We'll start to see trades go through. Obviously, we saw Sean Murphy get traded yesterday to the Braves, which it's like, how many catchers do the Braves need? Um, but I think that might be where the Phillies explore, like a, a fifth starter option is through a, a minor type of trade. Yeah, and, and it doesn't even have to happen now. Of course, you know this is something you can address in season, which which they did last year as well, and you know, there were – if we can remember the trade deadline it feels like forever ago, but you know, there, there were quite a few arms available at the deadline uh, to acquire. Now, obviously there's, there's some costs associated with that, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think where they're at is okay. I, I don't, I don't love 
not in love with it, but I also think it's it's probably better than where we were last year, right? Um, which is which is a good spot to be in. Um, and, and Eflin ultimately didn't give you uh, enough this year to really, you know, I, I wish him luck, but it's just, this was not a guy that was super consistent in this time with the Phillies and, and health was definitely a concern, you know, missed, missed a lot of time this year as well. And uh, once he came back, he had some good moments, but again, was not a, a huge impact player. I wouldn't say for the Phillies uh, for, for most of this past year. So you're looking, you know, at, at the youth side, if you're looking at some of these guys coming up, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that because it's not often you get hype like that this early. Cause I mean, this is not even the first time we're hearing about some of these young guys, maybe cracking the rotation at the start of the year. feels like we've been hearing about this since like August of this year. So uh, that to me is a good sign. You know, like sometimes we, we have a, a, an ability to overhype things and this could definitely be one of those situations. But I do also think like when you're getting that genuine buzz that early on, and it, it seems like a real possibility, uh, you know, like Alec Bohm, right. was, was not someone necessarily that up until spring training, it felt like, Oh, he, he might make the roster, you know, like this might be a guy that we see immediately, you know, it, and look how he's turned out, right. Like he's established himself as a starter. Like if we have that same level here, that's, that's a great position to find yourself in. Yeah. Same with Bryson Stott. Like obviously he got sent down when DD was still here, but you know, he's back Bryson up and Stott running. Bryson like a, one of our best playoff performers outside of yeah. like Bryce. Like, <laughs> and I mean, to get Bryce and Stott where the Phillies did in the draft too, like he was a, th- like obviously he was a, a top of the draft pit. Like he was the 13th overall pick when he was drafted. But I think if you redid that draft now and looking at what Bryce and Stott's done in his short, you know, tenure in the, in the majors, like people probably would have taken Bryce and Stott much earlier than 13. So the fact that he fell to the Phillies, there's just a, a godsend in and of itself. Um, I'm looking at the free agent pitchers that are still out there, right, Matt? Uh, that are still out there right now. I mean, there's still some guys that I wouldn't hate if the Phillies, you know, went and pulled the trigger on, uh, especially since it's just money and it's not, uh, you know, giving up guys to go and get guys, which I think is a lot of the offseason chatter right now is teams would much rather just give guys money than have to give up prospects to get guys. Um, Obviously, the the big fish in the sea is still out there in Carlos Rodon. Who knows where he's going to end up? Um, I sent you that screenshot. His wife liked that Trey Turner signed with the Phillies. So maybe there's still hope. I doubt it. Um, it. Seems like there's a lot of buzz around the Yankees with him. I don't see that either. I just don't understand that match. Like that match there. Um, but Nate Eovaldi still a free agent. You know, there's I think familiarity there with Dombrowski's time. In Boston, I think they were there at the same time. Um, there's almost 40-year-old Zach Granke, who's still out there. Uh, Mike Miner, Corey Kluber, Wade Miley, Michael Waka. Jordan Lyles is an interesting one, too. Uh, was with the Orioles last year. He's 32. Spotrag uh, Spo- is putting his uh, market value at like $9.8 million, 9.9. I wouldn't hate Jordan Lyles on like a one-year type of prove it deal with the Phillies to kind of reestablish himself out there, especially after, you know, being with the Orioles last year, kind of a, a weird season for them too. But Jordan Lyles is a name that I'm surprised he hasn't signed uh, a big contract yet to go pitch for, you know, a team that's trying to push their way into being a contender or, you know, a contender looking to add to their rotation. Yeah, Lyles is good. I, I like Michael Waka a lot. He's coming off a really strong year with Boston. Um, I, I would actually be a little interested in him. He's only 30, you know, as well. Like, he, you can, you can definitely sell yourself on him having, uh, you know, a few, like, really productive years left. I don't know what his cost is. Um, I, I can't imagine it being too much. I know he was making uh, not, a, not a significant amount of money last year. So, I, I would actually be, like, kicking the tires on him personally. Like, Eovaldi, certainly, too. You could uh, – Maybe both. <laughs> you know, let's just uh, let's just like piece together two Red Sox pictures and hope they stay healthy for a whole year, right? But um, yeah, Michael Walker is a name actually that I I would be kind of interested in. Yeah, Spotrac has Walker's market value at just under twelve million dollars, which I don't think is that terrible. That's doable for the Phillies right now. I, I think you know I, I think that's that's a totally doable number. Um, so yeah, I I would be I'd be hitting up uh, Michael Walker. Yeah, and I mean if they want to go and get one of these guys and you know Waka same uh representation as Trey Turner he's a CAA guy um 
And I mean, last year, Waka's contract was one year, $7 million with the Red Sox. And like you said, he had a, a really solid bounce back year with the Red Sox uh, in 2022. And he's kind of bounced around since leaving the Cardinals. Um, you know, he's with the Mets in 2020, he's with the Rays in 2021. And you know the story. If the Rays are taking a chance on you, they see something. So I think Michael Waka might be, you know, quote unquote, as the kids say, back. Um, I wouldn't hate that. I also am just looking at it because I think from what I saw from Destiny Legardo after they signed uh, Matt Strom, I think the Phillies are like just under $16 million away from hitting that second uh, luxury tax threshold, which I mean, at this point, like the Phillies have proven they are willing to spend. They're willing to, you know, go into that deep end to win. And I think John Middleton getting that taste of the World Series last year is like, all right, let's just do whatever it takes to get back there and actually win that trophy. Um, but I don't know if they're saving that, you know, just under $16 million for the trade deadline like we've talked about too, where it's like, hey, we can go and acquire somebody, you know, pretty big at the deadline that might be off to a strong first half of the season and have that extra money to throw around and, you know, play around with the luxury tax a little bit in season. Yeah, this is this is why Dave Dombrowski gets paid the big dollars to to reflect on these decisions, right? Because there's no there's no like one right answer, right? Um, obviously, you know, like free agency is a, is a bit of a gamble because you don't know what was good about their situation in their previous stop and how replicable that is, um, you know, and and could, was that just a fluke, flash in the pan, whatever? Um, and then you know, regular season, there's obviously some risk too in that. You're having to give up uh, not just money, but also some sort of you know capital, some sort of asset uh, to the team to, to acquire this player. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, if someone just has maybe a stronger start to the season and a, a poorer second half of the year, you're stuck with that poor second. You know, like it, it, there's no right or wrong way. I don't I don't think to maybe this approach, but um, I do think the Phillies in years past have sort of they've made like. A few big moves, right? Like we've gotten again our, our template of the last few years. We had our big like uh, eyeball scrounging type of signing, right? And then like a a projected starter, and then like a few like uh, relief pitchers, and that's it, you know. And then we just rolled into the season with that. So I almost wouldn't be shocked either if this is maybe just where the Phillies uh, settle and, and find their level at. So yeah, already think... have like what like the third or fourth highest payroll in baseball. It's not exactly yeah. uh, <laughs> you know. And, I mean, nobody's going to touch the Mets payroll because of where they've hit and plus the taxes now. I think the Mets uh, payroll this year that will uh, ultimately result in them losing the wild card round again is at $400 million after they signed uh, Senga and then, you know, they've signed a couple other guys as well. Luckily, they didn't sign Correa because that would have been devastating um, just in terms of, like, that lineup. But as we all know, the Mets are the Mets, and they're going to – Medify anything they possibly can. Um, also, let's not forget, too, Phillies fans, because I genuinely forgot because he wasn't really pitching in the postseason. Bailey Falter was really good down the stretch for the Phillies. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he was kind of a, a highlight of, of that bottom stretch. And, uh, you know, someone you can you can come back for next year and, and hope for some improvement out of. So I think that factors in it, too. You know, like, again, we want these young guys to come up and have their moments. They can't do that if you're signing, you know, big free agents, you know, two or three at a time, right? Like you, you have to find the right balance between when you're building a roster in any sport between getting those, those big free agents, those big trade acquisitions, while also trusting, you know, your youth development, and your coaches to develop those young players and to grow. Because the Phillies have some some players in key areas that can really grow and develop this year. You know, like look at the the strides that Alec Bow made this past season, um, and how what a different you know, figure he was from May of this year to, to now, right? Like how differently we think about him. Um, you know, there were, there were calls about him going back down to, to the minors, you know, early last season. And I don't know that those were even unfounded. You know, he looked bad. So, uh, you know, it, it can just change so much, you know, the, the course of the season, it, it's such a long season. And, you know, we, you kind of do have to put some faith to these young guys can develop and grow. I do think they should still kind of explore potentially one more bullpen arm. I'm looking at their 40 man, uh, roster just for the bullpen right now. Philly's bullpen looks like this. It's Jose Alvarado, Andrew Bellotti, Connor Brogdon, another guy who, you know, early in the season looked 
horrific. And then down the stretch and in the postseason, for the most part, was really, really solid out of the bullpen. Sam Coonrod should be back this year, too, coming off of injury. He's still in the minors, but he should be back in this bullpen, which would help if he bounces back because he's another hard-throwing right-hander. Sir Anthony Dominguez, James McArthur is on the 40-man. Francisco Morales is on the 40-man. Nick Nelson is still on this roster. Um, Michael Plassemeyer is still on the roster. Christopher Sanchez, Matt Strom, and uh, that's really your bullpen right now. I think you still need to go and get one more piece to kind of... like. I think Strom's going to, in theory, be the seventh-inning guy that leads to Alvarado, that leads to Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, but I think you need one more guy to go out there and you know kind of be the right-handed counterpart to Matt Strom. Um, but I, I think the bullpen will come together at some point and, you know, there's still plenty of minor league talent on this team that could get added to the bullpen as well. Matt Strom's number official on the depth chart, Matt, I'm going to get your initial reaction here. It's a, it's a pretty interesting number to dish out, but, uh, they've got Matt Strom wearing number 25. Jim okay. Tomei, big shoes. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take I it. I like it. Um, so that's the Phillies bullpen right now. And I mean, who knows? Once the trade markets open up, uh, things could even spiral even more with uh, people on the move. But Phillies offseason has been fantastic. This baseball offseason has just been so much fun. Like, the amount of moves that have been made feels like more than ever. And it like with it happening so quickly and so much happening at the winter meetings, it's just been enjoyable to have like that year-round baseball feel again yeah yeah it's um i i still think they should make it like nba where everything opens up on like december 1st you know and you just sort of have like those first few days are just a flurry of signings and kind of makes it that year-round thing but i i will say i think uh this year especially and it, it helps to the of these big free agents and every year it feels like someone's kind of outdoing the previous year's price tag and um, that that's kind of adds a different level to it as well. Yeah, that would be pretty ideal, I think, across the board for just like fans and then teams as as a whole. Like day one of free agency, just be day one of the winter meetings. Yeah, makes a ton of sense because especially now, you know, everybody's back in person for the winter meetings and everybody's all in one place, so makes it that much more fun. Um, but from the Phillies to the hardwood, and it's brought to you by our friends at Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com or now, Matt, I don't know if you saw this, now available at the Wells Fargo Center, Big Kenny's, available at the Farg. So when you're going to watch the Sixers, the Flyers, Villanova basketball, the Philadelphia Wings, you can grab yourself a Kenwood Beer at the Wells Fargo Center. You can use the new and improved Kenny tracker at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got Kenny's on track uh, on tap in the Philadelphia area. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. Sixers actually win a game convincingly. Look good. Joel Embiid just continues to be Joel Embiid. James Harden looked very, very good last night. Um, you know, put up a, a ton of stats in typical James Harden fashion that I think a lot of Sixers fans want to see from him now coming back from the injury. Um, Tobias Harris has been on a nice little stretch here as well, you know, producing for this team and, uh, they scored 80 first half points against the Kings who have had a a solid start to this season so far. They're kind of everybody's like darling team that they want to see perform well. Um, but a good win for the Sixers to kind of hopefully steer this ship in the right direction. Um, but any, uh, any thoughts now that we're like, getting closer to that actual mark of when NBA season starts uh, being Christmas day. Uh, I I've been on a, a Sixers uh, strike. Um, I still think this team frankly doesn't deserve a lot of people's attention for a lot of reasons. And the main thing though, is that Doc Rivers sucks. Uh, the players don't like him. Uh, if you listen to these guys talk uh, post game, especially you, you hear like the remarks. If you watch like the body language around him, He's clearly someone that just doesn't have the respect anymore. And, you know, listen, maybe they get through this season, everyone gets healthy, which, you know, has been a legitimate part of this, like, first quarter of the year for the Sixers has been a lot of injuries, 
and guys just missing, you know, significant amount of time. Like that's obviously tough to handle for any coach. It'd be tough for a competent coach to handle. Then you, you throw in the fact that Doc Rivers just seems clueless. Uh, there's been a few times like he has talked about things that the Sixers have worked on. And then the players like, we have not worked on that at all. You know, like it, it's just, it's bizarre. I, I, I'm so disengaged with the team because of that, because it's so hard to, to root for that guy um, and know that the Sixers' success is his success. And I don't see this season going anywhere but another, like, first or second round exit because I, I just have no faith in Doc Rivers as a coach. Um, and it, it, it's hard for me to buy in, you know, with, with the Sixers at this point. That said, Embiid has, has looked good this year. I think he's taken, like, a, another step in just sort of his decision-making, which is something I think a lot of people always wanted out of him. And I am looking forward to seeing it, him and Harden healthy, hopefully, you know, for, for the rest of the season. Because we still have only seen so few games with him, Harden, Maxi. Like, we just have not gotten a, a lot of minutes with those three. And, um, you know, you want to see that, you know, realize in, in, in an actual setting, you know, and, and get to see them play together. So I, I am looking forward to that. It would be very on brand just uh, for this Sixers, like this iteration of the Sixers. Um for Embiid to win the MVP in a season like this. Yeah, I I don't see it just because the, the Sixers aren't having – I mean, they could turn it around. But, um, you know, I, I, I do reflect on the fact, too, that the Celtics this time last year, right, just were, were not in a good place at all and end up making a, a run to the finals and end up finishing as, as one of the top seeds in the East. So, you know, the – the the book is not closed on this year, but again, you know, just when you have Doc Rivers, I, I just have I have such little faith uh, in this team. I don't think they should have hired him to begin with, and then I think you've had two very fireable postseason uh, exits um, so far under his belt. That I, I just I don't get it. I, I don't I don't get why he's around. Yeah, I mean, he just he brings the morale of this team not only for like you mentioned with the players and everything. But just fan interest as a whole. It's like everybody knows this team is not going to like take a, a, another leap forward until Doc Rivers is gone. He's holding this team back. Uh, and I just wish the Sixers front office like kind of looked at what happened to the Phillies. And maybe they will. You know, maybe this is, you know, took the Phillies about three months to fire Joe Girardi. Who knows what happens, uh, you know, post-Christmas and everything. But... It would be nice if they, they took a page out of the Phillies book and was like, hey, our coach fucking sucks. Let's fire him, bring in, you know, the young gun that's right next to him on the bench, whether it's, you know, Sam Cassell or somebody uh, on this staff that it seems like the players have respect for, Sam Cassell being one of them. Uh, and let's see if that, that turns things around and motivates these guys even more to say, hey, like, nobody's really safe here and, you know, you got to kind of earn your keep and, Doc Rivers has just been holding this team back since he got here, and it's not going to change, you know, overnight. I mean, I, I know Ime Uduka is obviously not uh, revered in the same way. <laughs> so just let him walk out the door right now. Obviously, whatever he did with the Celtics, whatever. But as a coach, it's a very good coach. Uh, you know, like the Sixers have had these guys um, – you know, as part of their staff and and have let them go. And, you know, I, I reflect too, like it was between Tyron Lue or, or, um, or Doc. And Ty Lue was like a big candidate. It was like, bring me Ty Lue. And I, I still like, I just think that was such a crossroads moment. And, um, you know, I, I know Darren Morey seems to have some type of relationship with Doc Rivers. I personally don't get it at all. I think it's actually one of the biggest, biggest blind spots for me, for, for Daryl Morey. It's, it's just like this love that he has for Doc Rivers. I, the dude has not been a good coach for a decade now. Um, he's he's really he's really feasting like everyone else from that 08 Celtics team off of that title, uh, and I I just I don't understand it. It, it. it is just such a it's just such a sunk cost on this team, Doc Rivers. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, you you just look at the the in game moves that Doc Rivers makes for this team just speaks volumes of just like how incompetent he is. You have B-Ball Paul on this team who has developed quite well, and that's, you know, a rare case for the Sixers who just lack developing talent. Uh, go watch Isaiah Joe in Oklahoma City right now. He's balling out for a team that is going nowhere. Um, and, you know, Charles Bassey setting NBA records for the San Antonio Spurs whenever he gets playing time. So, I mean, Doc just refusing to play young talent 
holding the development of young guys back on this team over the last couple of seasons has just been like organizational malpractice. And, you know, I, I retweeted one of my tweets from last year. I said, it's, it's no coincidence that, uh, the Sixers have kind of been on this demise trail since their Jersey patch sponsor became a money laundering scheme. And, uh, wanted to talk about that as well with you. Cause we talk about just the stupidity of, uh, crypto, the, the king of it all right now, SBF getting arrested in the Bahamas, Matt. God bless. Uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, we warned you. Told don't, you. Don't, don't put your money in it. Um, I wonder what the Super Bowl commercials this year are going to look like because half of them were dumb crypto ads last year. So, got this face I don't, loaded up there. At least. I don't think we'll get a bouncing QR code this year. Thank Christ. Remember that was the most genius thing that's ever been done on television ever? Ugh. So stupid. <laughs> the greatest Super Bowl commercial ever is a Windows 97 screensaver. It's so clever. You just don't get it. It's like the most clever thing that's ever been done, actually. It's unbelievable. Um, but as we, we move forward here, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts, too. We talked about it a little bit on uh, Monday's episode, but the Philadelphia Union announced they are retiring what I think is the best kit in all of MLS and one of the best in MLS history. The, uh, the Baby Blue Lightning Bolt kit is going away. I think it's unfortunate. should be one of those that stays in the rotation, I think, forever, uh, just because of how nice and clean it looks and just how well it represents the team and, and kind of just the branding of the Union, but... Your thoughts on uh, the Union retiring that bad boy? I, I love that kit. Um, does hurt because it's when you lose the final in. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it had some good memories attached to it as well. It was, it was a good one. And I'm just hopeful that we get something of similar excitement back in return. You know, you know, I, I like the cool and, and clean ones, but I do like a little get a little eccentric with it, you know? So I, I hope that the next one that they replace it with has a, has that same kind of style where they, they take a little Liberty, you know? Do you, uh, do you think it's the best one the union have ever had? I think it's like, I, I, I'm like partial to some of the early season, like really like, uh, like simple, like blue and, and gold, uh, like stripes. I, I think those are just really clean looking and nice. I think it's certainly like probably the one I'd most want to just like wear out, you know, like, but you know, I, it all depends on, I, I think your preference. It's certainly, I think sort of the coolest one, you know, I, I think it, it has like the most just like eye catching value. And I, I think it's the one I think would kind of promote the most discussion if you walked into a room with it, but yeah, it, it's definitely up there, you know, like an all timer for the union so far. It, uh, it is a bummer that, they didn't end up winning the MLS Cup in those because that would have just been all time to be like, yeah, that's the that's the kit that we won the championship in. Um, top ends will be coming up after this, but wanted to get uh, some thoughts on the World Cup as well. It's brought to you by our friends at Bino Board. Guys, Bino is the next big tabletop game for your man cave, your she shed, your tailgates, wherever you may be. You guys should have a Bino Board. It's going to start a conversation and get the people going. Uh, think paper football meets foosball. You've got Bino. Uh, so go to BinoBoard.com. You guys can use code BinoUSP for 10% off any order. That includes custom boards, boards they already have made, officially licensed Arsenal and Liverpool boards, uh, any accessories for your boards, you name it. Our code works. It's BinoUSP for 10% off at BinoBoard.com. Uh, World Cup over the last couple of days, Matt has been, uh, in the public eye, I think for more reasons than what uh, we would have hoped for. Obviously, Grant Wall's passing uh, was very unfortunate. Came out today that apparently uh, there was like an undetected aneurysm that caused his death. Uh, that came from his wife. So uh, very unfortunate that we lost such a, a talented uh, and just tapped in journalist across the board. Obviously, he's the one that dubbed LeBron James the chosen one um but that was very unfortunate and you know to finally kind of see what exactly happened I know he was talking on his podcast that you know he was feeling like he had bronchitis or something then a couple days later he just collapses in the press box uh during Argentina's semifinal game so a lot of uh 
just you know thoughts and and you know good vibes to his family and everything um just an unfortunate loss for american soccer because like even people who didn't particularly follow you know soccer as a whole you kind of knew who grant wall was yeah he was uh definitely one of the faces uh of u.s soccer someone that like for me growing up like Soccer's obviously big now, but it, it was a little bit harder to find coverage on the sport. And he was like really a trailblazer in that regard. So a big miss, you know, just in terms of uh, the industry. And I think what he, he's done for the sport here. And I think it's it's even more sad and, and unfortunate because obviously the World Cup is going gonna, is gonna to be uh, hosted in the U.S., Canada, Mexico in 2026. And, um, you know, you just think it's not going to feel the same without him for, there for that. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a huge loss um, and such a, a tragedy because he's so young as well, and it, it's just so sudden. Um, as far as the games go, though, you know it, it's been exciting. We we have a fantastic final lined up for us: France versus Argentina. These two teams played in the knockout stages in 2018, and it was a great game, four three, one of the, the best games of the knockout stages uh, from that tournament. So I'm looking forward to it. It has just about every storyline you can imagine all wrapped up into it. Um, so it's it's provided at least on the field a lot of uh, good moments and Morocco, obviously first African team to make it to the semifinals. That was fantastic. Um, you know, it's just a great story all around there. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be a really fun like weekend here, like wrapping up the the tournament, and then we're just right back to the domestic leagues. You know. Yeah, it is. Uh, it it blew my mind when I saw that you know headline as soon as Morocco got uh, you know their opportunity to advance to that game. Uh, that they were the first African nation to advance to the semifinal ever. Like, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, they, they're just a, a handful of African teams that didn't even made it to the quarterfinals. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, they, they have not had the... There was actually a, a big um, strike and, like, collective... And that and this is part of the reason that there's so much solidarity, especially in, in, in football terms, with a lot of African nations... They actually collectively held out and uh, called for, for changes, for uh, more opportunities for African teams to get uh, bids to the World Cup. This is like in the 80s. And, you know, since then, though, there's been a big push, you know, um, to, to have these teams like more integrated and part of the, uh, you know, there, there's some debate about the, the, the next World Cup is going to have 48 teams rather than 32. You're going to expand the field by a lot. It's a significant amount of teams being added to the competition. But African teams are going to get a lot more. As it is, qualifying from Africa is very challenging. Uh, there's always good teams that, that get left at home just because, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of quality teams there. And, and it just gets very tight, you know, and cutthroat, honestly. You know, you, you do get uh, just a few big teams. Like Nigeria wasn't at this World Cup, and they are just a team perennially that is, that is very good. Uh, a team like Egypt, right, too, you know, wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a challenge. But, but African teams, especially over the last, I would say, like, 14, 15 years have really developed. And, and what you're seeing now, too, is I think a big push for a lot of former players that have, have now had that uh, experience as a player, you know, going to the World Cup and becoming uh, more established as professionals, now also going through and becoming more established as coaches, um, you know, going through like more like uh, professional programs. I think they've the, the coaching aspect can't be understated how uh, important I think that's been for a lot of these African teams. And they're hiring managers, too, from their own countries. Um, that's been a debate, too, with England. It's about, you know, should England hire someone from outside of England? A lot of national teams only hire from within, you know, the, from, from someone from their, their own nationality. Um, it, it's not as common, right, for, for it to be the other way around. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big change. And, you know, it, we've, Senegal felt like the team that maybe could have done that this year or, or in 2018 because they have a, a ton of talent and um, it is cool to, to finally see that wall being broken down. But, um, you know, I think there's still definitely work to be done and, you know, some some growth to be done. But it's it's a positive, I think, thing that this World Cup, I think, had more parity than, than I can remember previous World Cups having. I think just uh, now, like, the game has gone so global and I think – the information and the tactics are so available to everyone everywhere that you you are seeing a, a much more level playing ground, I think, between teams. You know, you're, you're really not having these big moments of, of just teams just absolutely walloping on someone that is just so tactically below the bar. 100%. And uh, it's going to be an electric Sunday with the World Cup final. 
at 9 a.m., leading right into another NFL Sunday. Uh, but we go from the pitch to the island, Matt, and it's brought to you by our friends at Tomahawk Shades, and for good reason, uh, because just this week, Tomahawk Shades are our loyal partners since 2020, the best small batch eyewear in the game, has partnered with one of our favorite survivors of all time, Tyson Apostle, now a Tomahawk Shades ambassador uh, with his pickleball uh, enthusiasm, if you will. Uh, you know, he's big in the pickleball game and he's partnered with Tomahawk Shades. And uh, it's pretty cool that uh, Tyson Apostle is now kind of part of our, our branding family, if you will. Uh, Tomahawk Shades, they've got the best sunglasses, blue light glasses, and now the ski goggles back in stock. we got to let Dom know about that as he uh, gets ready for, for powder season. Uh, they got the ski goggles for your snowing endeavors. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com and use code USP for 25% off your order. And right now they're doing seven days of Tomahawk uh, on their website each and every day. Something new for very affordable uh, I claimed uh, free mystery pair of sunglasses yesterday. You can do the same thing each and every day this week at TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP for 25% off your order. And I think it's only fair that Tomahawk's got to try to link us up with Tyson now. And he's somebody we've talked about since we started, you know, doing Survivor on this show as well, that we wanted Tyson on the pod. So, Tyson, here's the uh, the call out. Come on the show, man. We We would love to have you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Survivors are getting wild, man. We're, we're down, we're down to the, the very, the very nitty gritty now of it all. So I'm looking forward to it. Season 43 finale tonight. Uh, if you're watching this live, uh, Cody gets voted out in quite a blind side last week. And, uh, the final five unpredictable as ever with Owen, Cassidy, Carla, uh, Gabler and um, Jesse. The fact that Gabler made it to the final five is incredible. Good for him, uh, especially with uh, just how it was early on for him, not you know feeling too well, and you know it being hard for him to keep his body nourished. Uh, good for Gabler to get to the final five, but. Jesse making that move to to vote Cody out at Tribal Council last week, I think was a, a huge power move and something that we really haven't seen this season as a whole in terms of just like that that spontaneous type of move to really establish yourself in a, a game-winning type of move that he made. And I think right now going into tonight without kind of knowing who's going to be in that final three if you had to make me guess i think i finally have a couple guesses of who could end up winning this whole thing and it's jesse and carla yeah i i think those two um you know have, have a lot of uh in common as well and i think they've, they've worked together a lot although i, I could see some of the flipping carla was kind of in, in people's crosshairs last week um and now she uh you know we'll, we'll see where she ends up big move by jesse obviously to, to move on from cody and I think is is it's probably right though. You know, I, I think I think he was he was making some sense. Um, I do wonder though, because Gabler already tagged them as a pair and said that they're too powerful. If he still has the eyes on Jesse, so um, there's a lot I think to be figured out. No one's just a little bit of uh, a wild card. You know, he's he's a hard man to to kind of uh, pin down on, on where he is. And, and Cassidy as well, I think has has the capacity to to make a strong case at the final three too. You know, she can make some big moves here down at the end. So. Um, you know, people, I think, got a lot of respect for Cassidy as well. You know, like, I can remember a few people that got voted out already really wanted her gone and said, you know, every time that they vote out one of her, like, partners or, or whatever, she finds a new person. That can make it. Like, she's adapted really well in this game. I think that's been a, a real strength of hers. So everyone at this point, I think, has a, a foundation from which they, they can win, uh, you know, the million dollars. So Yeah, and I mean, looking at who's on the jury right now and who's left in the final five, we talk about this a ton every season. Uh, I think there's a lot of people from season 43 that if they, you know, started doing, you know, this turbo style of Survivor with just the 24 days, there's a lot of people from this cast that I think could be coming back for like an all-star type season or a redemption type of season as well. I mean, you could make a great, I think, uh, return season based off the last three. I think, you know, you could honestly probably find enough people that I would actually genuinely be interested in. So yeah, it's been, it's been good casting. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I guess since it is the finale, we uh, here here's the survivor clip for everybody. Matt, if you had to peg your winner uh, for forty three, who who do you think ends up you know with that big check? I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this, and it's a little bit of wish casting because I've liked this person for the last few weeks, and I, I I would like to see them win. I'm I'm going with Carla. I just I think she's played a strong game to this point. I like the way she plays. She's smart. Um, not to be underestimated, and I, I think uh, stands a good chance of, of convincing a jury. So I'm, I'm going to attach my horses to Carla. I, I think Carla has a really strong shot, and just to be contrarian, I'm going to say Jesse, uh, just because that move that he made, it seemed like the jury was like blown away and like knew that he was the one making the move. Um, so I think that was you know high praises for him when it comes down to if he does get to the final three, That'll be in the the backs of the minds of many of those jury members. And then, uh, who do you think wins the SIA award? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I actually don't know that I've uh, I've really thought about who. I don't think we've predicted I this. See, I could see Jesse maybe getting the SIA award, uh, just given like his background and you know where he's at now in life. I could I could see that being a thing. Um, yeah, that's tough. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I could kind of see Cassidy winning the CEO award, um, just because, like you said, she's been able to adapt, and I feel like that's something that like would stick out to CEO when she's picking that award. Um, so I could see Cassidy winning. I could also see Carla winning it if she doesn't end up winning the whole thing. I could see Carla winning the uh, the CEO award as well. That's something that we'll have to keep in our minds for uh, season 44 preseason CEO award prediction and then as the season goes on we'll figure it all out because season 44 right around the corner march 1st is when uh 44 kicks off which will be fantastic uh that it's you know right around the corner pretty much yeah looking forward to it so that is uh survivor 43 we'll recap the finale next week but make sure you guys are following at buffs and snuffs on twitter and uh follow underground sports on twitter all the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Uh, leave a five star review. It really helps the show continue to grow. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel as well. Uh, youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia subscribe 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 end of year goal we've had to temper the expectations just a little bit but you can still prove us wrong trying to get to 350 by the end of the year we're at 328 i think it's super attainable so be a friend tell a friend subscribe to the youtube channel smash that like button ring the bell icon comment down below your thoughts on everything we've talked about on this episode and a uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Get your merch as well. PHIapparel.co, code underground for 10% off any and all merch orders. Uh, it's the easiest way to support us and help us continue doing our thing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. But this has been episode number 490 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Stick around if you're watching live. Top Bins coming up next, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.